The following is a listener-supported ministry from the Grace Evangelical Society. Hey, a very pleasant good day to you. Thank you for joining us today on Grace in Focus from the Grace Evangelical Society. Today, Ken Yates and Bob Wilkin are answering questions from listeners like you. One about Abraham and justification, one about eschatology, and one about the essence of eternal salvation. So a full slate coming your way in just a moment after I tell you about our website, faithalone.org, a great place to find thousands of articles and various resources about free grace theology. Now, very important with our website, you can find information about our national conference coming up in May of 2023. The dates are the 22nd through the 25th of May. And we want to invite you to come, especially if you've never attended our national conference. First-timers can attend our national conference without having to pay the registration fee. Also very important right now, if you have attended before, the early bird registration is still in play till the end of this month, January 2023. So the time is now for you. It's always a great time when we get together for our national conference. Please plan to be in attendance. And our website again is faithalone.org. All the details at faithalone.org. All right now, Ken and Bob, it's all yours. Yes, I got a question from Joshua. He has a particular question about James 2, verse 23. This is talking about after Abraham was going to offer up Isaac, and it says, And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him as righteousness. And he says, I still can't make sense of James 23 stating that the crediting of righteousness to Abraham wasn't fulfilled until he offered up Isaac. Can you help make sense out of this particular verse? That's a good question. And you want to give the opening volley here? Yeah, the opening volley is that in Genesis 15, it says that Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness. But here, James says that verse was fulfilled when he offered up Isaac. So what does fulfilled mean? Zane Hodges has suggested that this is a word commonly used in prophetic literature, that some sort of prophecy is fulfilled in this particular event. When Abraham was justified, Genesis fifteen six, he was, what, 75 years old. In Genesis 22, when he offers up Isaac, he is about, what, a hundred and something, 12, he's over, yeah, I think he's 112. Over right. And so it's over 30 years after he was justified. 223 is not saying that he was justified when he offered up Isaac. What he's saying is that Abraham believed God and it was reckoned him as righteousness was fulfilled. And Hodges suggests that fulfilled there means it was brought to its natural maturity. When the child is born, that child has life, but that child has not yet been fulfilled. What's fulfilled in the birth of a child is if the child grows up into maturity. The potential in the justification of Abraham was realized when he offered up his son Isaac. It's not saying this was a second justification or that this is somehow when he was justified. It's saying that's when it was fulfilled. Hodges suggests that in the very belief that God was going to provide him a seed and that through that 
seed he was going to have everlasting life, that faith had the potential of great things. And when he offered up Isaac, that was a great thing. And other scriptures say that Abraham got to the point where he believed that God would raise Isaac from the dead. The author of Hebrews tells us exactly. That. Yeah. The fulfillment of or the maturity or the reaching of potential of his faith was, yes, he believed God was going to send a Messiah through whom he would have eternal life. Genesis right. 15. But we see 30 something odd years later. His faith had reached the potential where he says, because I have believed that, I've come to believe in God as he's revealed more to me. I believe he'll raise my son from the dead. Right. Whether that is fulfilled or not depends on your walk with the Lord. On your works, right? Which is what James 2 is all about. If you want to reach the potential of your faith, you must exercise it with good works. Right. Yes. That done over time results in the maturation of faith and the maturation of your Christian experience. And ultimately, that can be called a fulfillment. Now, this isn't how we have assurance of everlasting life. What this is, is how we can say, I see the hand of God in my life that over time, he has renewed my mind, Romans 12, 2, and he has transformed my behavior. And he's done that through the power of the word of God to produce change. And and other free grace people have said it. If you want a faith that impacts your life, that people can see, this is the fulfillment of it by doing good works. Right. All right. I've got another question. Dave says, it seems to me that the free grace view of justification is independent of eschatology other than the promised return of Jesus, because Dave doesn't believe in the pre-trib rapture. He believes in what's called historic premillennialism, and he believes that Christ returns after the tribulation. And he says, is there any reason why an historic premillennial post-trib viewpoint is not completely compatible with free grace theology? And my answer is no. Right. You could hold a view that Christ returns after the tribulation, or you could even be post-millennial. You could have lots of different views of eschatology, and yet believe that simply by faith you have eternal life. And even in rewards. You're saved by grace through faith alone. You can't lose it. When you believe in Jesus for eternal life, it's yours. And works have everything to do with rewards and intimacy and avoiding discipline from God. Absolutely. But you did point out that there are some concerns because when a person adopts some eschatological views that are inconsistent with Scripture— it can have ramifications in other areas. My experience with it is that when people get to certain passages, right, they're going to interpret them in a way that may lead them down to, oh, well, if you, do, for example, he who endures to the end will be saved. You know, just as an example, what do you do with that if you don't believe that this talking to the tribulation period or... And ultimately that can lead them away from the free grace position. Right. And they may not even be aware of it. Right. But is it possible that you could interpret those passages and still remain solidly free grace? Yeah, but it's a danger, I think. So that's just my view on that. Right. Because a person who is free grace and starts moving in this direction may start moving away from the free grace position. Right, and he may not even be aware of it as he's going through that process. Right. All right, here's one final question. And this person says, I have been following GES for about a year ago, and I agree completely with the doctrine. 
I am wondering, however, if GES gets its gospel from 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. I follow several other gospel channels, and they all use that passage. Just curious, CE. So let's read 1 Corinthians 15, 1 to 4, and then answer his question. Verse 1 of chapter 15, 1 Corinthians. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, and which also you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. And then after that, verses 5 through 11 are all about his post-resurrection appearances. Now, is that the gospel that we proclaim? Yes, if by gospel you mean the good news of Jesus' death and resurrection— But in this passage, it's a sanctification passage. If by gospel you mean the saving message, the message you find in Galatians of justification by faith alone, the answer is no. There's nothing here about justification by faith alone or salvation by faith alone. In fact, did you notice, Ken, as you read that in verse 1, it says, in which you stand, and then verse 2, by which also you are saved, or are being saved, if what? If you hold fast. The word which I preach to you. If you go on to read the rest of 1 Corinthians 15, some in the church of Corinth were doubting the resurrection of the dead. Right. And so as a result, they weren't holding fast to the good news Paul preached. And that's going to impact their works. Right. And so what he's saying is, you can't let go of the death and resurrection of Jesus without losing your grip on sanctification, by which you are saved is a present middle passive. You are in the process of being saved. And I would translate this, you are spiritually healthy, but you're only spiritually healthy if you hold fast. And then he says, unless you believed in vain, and the in vain would be if Jesus didn't rise from the dead. Right. I was an army chaplain. And I worked with Mormon chaplains. Right. And one time I was talking to a Mormon chaplain and I told him that he and I did not agree theologically and that I believed that the Mormon church preached a non-saving message because it was one of works. And he took me to 1 Corinthians 15. And he goes, I believe every word of this. He said, I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins and he rose from the dead. But do you believe that you have eternal life as a free gift that you could ever lose? No, I don't believe that. Yeah. I mean, and how many Catholics believe that's 1 right. Corinthians 15, 1, 4? How many Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses? Name any Christian cult. David Koresh in Waco, yeah. he would have said, I believe everything. Sure. Yeah. So if we're going to say that, then all those people preach a saving message. And no, they all preach the good news of Jesus' death and resurrection. But if they're denying justification by faith alone, that does not a sanctifying message for them. What we're saying the saving message is, is John 3.16, John 5.24, John 6.47, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, Acts 16, 31. But if you want to know what the sanctifying message is, it's 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 11. Jesus' death, Jesus' resurrection, Jesus' appearances, 
all those things consistent with the scriptures, with the prophetic word of God. Because he rose from the dead, we're going to rise from the right. dead. Therefore, what we do with our bodies are important. And why is that? Because Christ died and rose from the dead. And we will rise from the dead. Exactly. And we will appear at the judgment seat of Christ and he will reward us. So thank you, CE, and thanks to each of you. And remember, keep grace in focus. Ken Yates' brand new book about his daughter, entitled Elizabeth, featured here earlier this month, is available now on our website, faithalone.org. Get half price through January 31st, 2023, when you use the code word podcast. That's faithalone.org. Did you miss an episode of Grace in Focus that you really wanted to hear? Just come to faithalone.org. That's faithalone.org. We have all our past episodes right there on the site. In addition, we have all kinds of free resources available for you. It's all designed to help you mature and grow in your understanding of Scripture. So come visit us at faithalone.org. That's faithalone.org. On this program, we keep our requests for financial partners to a minimum. But if you are interested in becoming a financial partner with Grace and Focus, you can find out how to do that at faithalone.org. Our team is really great about answering questions, comments, and feedback. If you've got some, we hope to hear from you. Let me give you our email address so you can do just that. It's radio at faithalone.org. That's radio at faithalone.org. And on the next Grace in Focus, there is another great question about eschatology and another one about sanctification. Please join us each Monday through Friday for Grace in Focus. This is the Grace Evangelical Society. Until next time, let's keep grace in focus. The proceeding has been a listener-supported ministry from the Grace Evangelical Society.